Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Uh, bingo, you missed out. If you weren't here, there were a lot of people who didn't miss out, but man, we had a blast. Uh, good news, the streak continues. Still haven't won in like four years or something like that. Um, we added to the streak uh, mocking. Uh, I was given a sour, little bag of Sour Patch Kids. Uh, apparently I whined too much. But I had nachos with jalapenos, so life's good. Um, but uh, as long as I continue to lose and the students continue to win, right? Real winners last night were students and uh, Megan, the staff, everybody. What they did was uh, really kind of fun and amazing. And you're going to hear uh, about student ministry throughout the year as they do events and things like that. And we'll remember that uh, well, the funds that we raise help make that stuff happen. So uh, thank you as a church for letting us do that. Uh, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling our students to Christ and ourselves, right, others, uh, in casual ways that welcome all to worship, worship like bingo. And um, we're being a community that serves the greater community. So um, thanks for joining us, uh, those of you online, those of you here with us. We're going to continue in our series uh, in the book of uh, Philippians. Um, we're going to do a whole chapter today, chapter all of chapter three. I know we've been splitting them in half. Uh, I thought I'd put chapter three all together this week. So um, we're going to do that, and we'll be three quarters of the way through the book. Uh, and then we'll have two more and then enter into our uh, Christmas season. So um, Philippians chapter three, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, if you're looking for it in your New Testament, um, after after the Corinthians and such and uh, Romans and, and whatnot. Um, we're going to be, uh, everything's going to be up on the screen, but let's, let's pray and then, um, then we'll get moving. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for, uh, what we got to see last night. Thanks for what you do all year in our student ministry and thanks for the staff and pray you'd, uh, provide for each of us a type of ministry that we can be involved in. And obviously it doesn't need to be student ministry, Lord, but Give us places where we can invest, where we can develop our relationship with you and help others and stay true to that, that creed that we say when we say we're Rock Bible Church. Uh, more importantly, stay to the creed you gave us to love you and love our neighbor. And I pray you just help us uh, find ways to do that. Uh, I pray, Lord, this morning that we get a little insight in how do we do those kind of things? How do we walk like Christians? And uh, pray for this passage, uh, for what's said, for what's understood, and then, Lord, for what's applied as we head out of here. So bless this time, Lord. May it honor you, your son. May your spirit guide it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. Uh, finally, my brother. So he's, he's starting to, he's closing out the letter. He's going to close out the letter in two whole chapters, right? So it's a long close. Um, but he's kind of wrapping up some thoughts. We've been talking about uh, a few different things. You know, last week we talked about shining as lights, and it was a little bit of a commercial for our parade that we're going to be doing. Um, but we would talk about becoming confident, um, prog progress and joy, uh, working out your salvation, all these different things, these concepts that Paul's been talking about, and 
Um, in this chapter, he's going to say, okay, finally, uh, here's how you do it. You walk like it. Um, that's the title of the uh, sermon this morning. You flip over the back, look at the title. It says uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 21, walk like it. Um, here's some concepts. Now, at, at some point, when you, you, you can learn as much as you want, but at some point, you've got to take that information, you've got to actually apply it, right? Hence the prayer this morning. And so he says, uh, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I think that's interesting. Well, of course you do, Scott. You think every verse is interesting. I know, I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. Uh, but there's a lot of things he could have said right here. Hey, could have said, make sure you follow the law. Could have said, love your neighbor in another type of way, right? Rejoice in the Lord. That is very you-centric. He's saying, adjust you. Make sure you are adjusted to where you're enjoying God. That's, that's you know, for some people, that's tough. Uh, life gets difficult. Things go differently than they had hoped. And then they get questions. Maybe a little frustration. And they start questioning God complaining to God, right? They fill out a little uh, communication slip to God, send it off to him. You know, you really shouldn't have done that, right? Um, so to enjoy God is work for some people. Uh, how much work is it for you? It's kind of an interesting question. Like, how easy is it for you to enjoy God? In the midst of difficult, in the midst of something going differently than you had hoped. Can you enjoy and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do my best to be positive, be proactive. Um, wait for the last rain. Right? We, as we saw in one of the previous sermons, this idea that you know, as a harvester, we can work. But until the last rain, you can't have big expectations. Um, it's really a question of are your expectations outranking God? Ooh, there's a question. There's a write down. Do your expectations outrank God? Uh, because that's when we get sideways. That's when we get weird. Uh, Paul uh, is saying to them, look, um, better figure out how to enjoy God. And there's ways to enjoy God. Uh, you got to work at it, though. It's like anything else. It's like a good spaghetti sauce. Takes time and some good ingredients, right? Um, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Oh, no. Dogs? Not a dog person. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Oh, is he talking about real, real dogs? No, he's talking about evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, look out, there's people out there who will do things for their own ambition. They will do things to the demise of other people. They will hurt, crush, destroy, mutilate, 
to get what they want. Um, is he saying simply like avoid those people so you don't get hurt? Or is he also saying avoid those people so you don't become like them? We're going to be different. And then watch this. This, this, is a, this is a fun one. For we are the circumcision. All right, let's, let's carefully not explain that too much. Okay, we'll do that when we get back into Genesis series again. All right, uh, let's, let's do this. Circumcision is a sign. It was meant as a sign. Uh, proof or your validation certificate that you have a contract with God. Uh, God made a contract with Abraham and the whole thing, and through the negotiations, God said, eh, you know, this isn't going as well as I'd like it to. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have a sign. We're going to have a contract. We're going to have a way to show that you have a relationship with the Lord. We're going to call it circumcision. On the eighth day, you're going to do blah, blah, blah with newborns. And right, won't get into the details. Uh, what's Paul doing here referencing this? Is this like a shock value, weird thing that distracts you from the point? Or is it actually help make the point? What's he saying? He's saying, we are a sign of a relationship of God, with God. We are proof that interaction, connection, enmeshness is possible with God. So rather than going around destroying, breaking up, doing things for your own interest, and yourself being most important, Let's act like we're a sign. Let's act like we are in communion with God. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no what? We put no confidence in the flesh. Uh, he's told us now where we don't put our confidence. What's the implication? Then we put our confidence somewhere else could it be that where we put our confidence is in the beginning of the phrase? We put our confidence in the fact that we are the sign. We are in the relationship with God. That's where our confidence should be. Not that we have uh, a title or that we raise this much money at a fundraiser or that so-and-so likes me or that I've been married this long or uh, whatever. It says, I put my confidence in this relationship with the Lord. Now, any thoughts on whether that's a step to going back to the top, enjoying God? Put your confidence in the fact you have this ongoing relationship with God where you can do interaction, give and take, and do that the best you can rather than do, trying to do give and take with people, give and take with the flesh. What can I accomplish? Verse four, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. I said I could. You know, and all of us are good at something. Right? You know this? You are. Feel like pat yourself on the back this morning. You're, you're good at something. You're good. And you can take confidence. You can take pride in some things if you really wanted to. Great. Paul says, I can do that too. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh. Boy, he's using that word confidence a lot, isn't he? Hmm. We're going to come back to that later. Um, I have more. I have more reason for confidence than most people when it comes to this relationship with God and being righteous, right? Being right before God. And then he starts to read his resume. Ready? 
Here's Paul's resume. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the favorites, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's got an amazing resume. If you want to be an obnoxious religious person back in those days, Paul, you get the job. Can you start tomorrow? In fact, can you start after lunch? Watch what he says, though. Because remember, he's telling us, you don't put confidence in your resume. But whatever gain I had, folks, the small words are the most important. I've said this a bunch of different ways. Why is had important here? But whatever gain I had, what's, what, what's had due to this? What, what just happened? Past tense. He could have said very easily, whatever gain I have, that would be present. That would mean he'd be still owning it. By making it past tense, what has he done? He's discarded it. Said this resume, threw it out. In fact, I don't think I've updated it in years. I'd have to look it up and on some back files, probably in a storage drive or something, because I don't, I don't give out my resume anymore, right? That's what Paul would say. I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. I count it as a loss because it gets in the way. You ever, you ever met somebody and, and kind of get to know them? Or maybe you know somebody, you've known them for a little while, but a big decision's coming up, and they start reading you their resume. You ever been around somebody when they start reason, reading their resume to you? Oh, yeah, well, for 13 years, I was, a, and it's like, oh, great. Oh, you know, Robert, I know Robert. In fact, we went to college together. You know, start dropping names. These titles they've had. Oh, yeah, well, I set the third quarter record for our company for the last 10 years. Accomplishments. Yeah, I finally figured out when people start reading me their resume, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because the content of what we're talking about is somehow not enough. And they have to come in and undergird it, build it up by adding their resume to it. Or there's a confidence problem. Remember he was talking about confidence a couple times now? There's a confidence problem that they feel like their relationship with me is too weak. And they've got to add their resume to it. I'm starting to really enjoy the people who never give me their resume. And I have to ask him, hey, what What do you do? Oh, I, I don't know. I've been working with this company for a few years. And they just downplay it because they want to stay in the here and now in the relationship. Man, I want to be that guy. Because now we're getting back to something more like the sign of relationship, sign of interaction. They would put value in interpersonal in the souls around us, into the voices that we hear. Rather than the status, permission, power, resources that we think we can get by getting the job. Boring. Puts me to sleep. Um, he has reason for confidence, but he says, no, nah, I don't, I throw all that out. Indeed, verse 8, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth. Oh, see, we got to figure out where worth comes from, right? 
one of our biggest questions that we never like to talk about is, am I worth it? What am I worth? Do people think I'm worth anything? Scary question for some. Never needs be. Never needs be a, a difficult question or a scary question. Because Paul's going to tell you your worth right now. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, the Lord, a Lord, there's a little word right there. What just happened with that word, my, my Lord? Personal. I'm taking ownership. Does that change worth? Uh, if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord, uh, is there a gain in worth, a gain in value, gain in experience, gain of access? Sorry, I have to. Gain of function. Oops. Little virus joke. Gain of function was the study of research that the Wuhan lab was doing to where the thing leaked. Right? It was gain of function research. Sorry. You know, if you have to explain your jokes, it's really bad. Explain your puns and things. There were a few guys that got it. And to you, I tip my hat and I'm buying you lunch, okay? Um, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Let's bring that word back. Um, know that the word they use in Greek is much worse than just rubbish. That's the politically correct version of that Greek word. Anyways, in order that I may gain... Christ. What are we trying to gain? Title, status, access, resources, relationship, or am I trying to gain Christ? How do you enjoy Christ? You pursue Christ. And when he becomes your uh, top pursuit, money changes value. Time is a different Measurement, no. People go way up to the top of the list. And now whether you're tired or haven't had enough sleep or you don't feel that well or you got a blister on your foot, all those things get diminished because there's something more important going on. It's a great way to help your thinking is, is to try and gain Christ. Verse nine, and be found in him. Uh, folks, there's so many little phrases that are like, to be found in him. To find him would be one thing. To be found in him, are we, are we like enmeshed? You know, I can't figure out where Scott starts and Julie ends. They're, they're such a couple. Yeah, that's what everybody says on the street, you know, right? Anyways, um, what, what if somebody said, you know, I, I can't figure out where they end and God starts because they're so amassed. When I'm around them, I feel like I experience the presence of God in some way. Whoa. Um, sign me up for that class. I want to learn how to do that. Right? I want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through what? Faith in Christ. 
Oh, faith, uh, we know faith, um, this word, like, oh yes, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in this, or I, you know, I believe that air exists, I breathe it every day. Those are, those are faith can be a statement about what we've experienced, um, but in this argument, in this discussion, faith, faith is a statement about the future, and faith very often is a statement about the future. If he's putting his confidence in that, his, his value in that, um, it's in contrast to what have I accomplished compared to where am I going. Folks, use that as a standard of measure from now on. Not where you've been, because you'll have too big of an ego and no one will be on be around you. Or you'll be real guilty and feel real bad from all the mistakes you've been, and you'll look yucky and no one will want to be around you. You notice both scenarios end up with no one wants to be around you? If we turn and we go forward, imagine the possibilities. And you can be negative about the future. Oh, we're all going to die, right? What was the cartoon with the little, um, was it droopy, right? We're all going to die. Just grumpy, glum. And, and then there's the one dwarf right, of the seven dwarves, it's like, oh my gosh, go away. Which dwarf you want to hang out with? Happy. He's a little bit goofy, but you never know what's going to happen. And the projection of where we're going, what could happen, imagine the possibilities. Why don't we do that? I mean, as long as we're doing Disney, let's talk about that. Imagine the possibilities. Hey, what if we built a park smack dab in the middle of L.A. that the whole world turns into Mecca? Did it happen? How'd that happen? Did he worry about what was going on in the past and what he had done and had accomplished or what he had messed up? or not? No, he said, um, pressing on, I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to let any of that stuff get in the way. That's faith. We're supposed to put that faith in Christ and in God. Um, not on my own that comes from all, but that which comes with faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Ooh, depends on faith. Um, so, Let's clarify some things. Uh, there's some stuff in your relationship with the Lord that God did for you, you had zero part in. Zero percent credit. Zero point zero zero percent credit. Okay? Um, your salvation was earned by Christ, bought by Christ, all that kind of stuff. Our ability to have righteousness is 100% gift done by Christ. Period. There's a bunch of stuff like that. The fact that you're still breathing, gift that he has given you. That you met somebody and got to be married or didn't get to be married or you got this job or didn't or scored a goal in the championship game. Those are all things that God gave you and you can't do anything about those things. And then there's other pieces in your relationship with the Lord where he says, mm, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'll double your investment. Whatever you invest, I'll double it. If you raise this much fun, I'll match it. 
You ever been to a fundraiser like that? Where some rich guy says, or rich lady says, oh, you know, I really want to support your group, but I want to see your group work at it too. So if you raise up to $10,000, whatever you raise, I'll match it. There's parts of times when our relationship with the Lord is like that. Because right here it says there's something about our righteousness that depends on faith. Whose faith? Ours. Not God's faith. He's perfect. Right? But there's something about God saying, hey, get up. And then going, all right, let's see if he gets up. Peter, you start the clock yet? What are we going to do? What do you guys want to do before Berglund gets up and starts moving? There's this idea that um, sometimes we're waiting on God, and I think he sometimes is patiently waiting on us. Um, which, by the way, who's better at patience? Yeah. Hey, um, you want to have a losing streak? Have patience battles with God, right? You're going to lose that one every time. Uh, verse 10. <clears throat> so, and why do we do that? That I may know. What is he going to know? What are they going to know? They're going to know the next slide. They know him. Say, so know how to do something. Know a certain person, know the king. No, know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to know what it's like to become like him. Catching the idea of walk like it, right? That by any means, verse 11, by any means possible, another way to say this, at all costs, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Does this sound like he's working on something? Now, can he earn resurrection? Tough question. Say no. Okay. Second service, they're going to be like scratching their heads for a long time, right? But your first service, like your early bird gets the worm and all that, right? Um, you can't earn resurrection, but there's something apparently that we can do in our pursuit of God and how we walk and what we believe in and how we pursue it that we attain it. It's almost like we arrive. Um, did we create Disneyland? Absolutely not. But can you go there? Ooh. Let's take that journey. Uh, I think God's similar that way. There's resurrection out there. Can just go go get get there. That I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. See the projection of forward, right? Future. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. He says, I know I didn't earn this, right? We just had that discussion. But here's what I know. Join in imitating me. Oh, oh we switched slides and I've, I didn't track. Uh, this is what I know. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, Right? Remember, we just had that behind and forward discussion. Uh, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm moving forward. 
I'm walking. Let those of us who are mature, ooh, let those of us, um, I'm sorry, uh, can we just show, raise your hands, uh, mature ones, raise your hands. None of you. Oh, Nate, me and Nate. Okay, all right. The rest of you, you're, you're going to work towards this maturity, and when you get there, this is what you're going to do. Okay, what am I making fun of? We'd all like to think of ourselves as mature, right? We would. And Paul's trying to say, you know, you all should be mature. You all have enough to be mature. So walk like it, right? Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, uh, if in... <clears throat> If in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. He said, think this way. Think forward, not backwards. Think positive, not negative. Think you're going to enjoy it rather than earn it. And if you start getting off a little bit, you know what? God's going to draw your attention to it. All right, Scott, you're off a little bit on that one. It's okay. Come back. Let's, uh, no, 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 no. This way a little bit more. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And what's that? Yeah, I want to push forward, but let's, let's not look backward. Let's also not go backwards. Let's not go back to some of the things. Let's not go back to fighting amongst each other or remember he said, look out for the dogs who mutilate the flesh. Let's not forget and then all of a sudden start going after each other or pursuing your own selfish ambitions. Uh, Brothers, join in imitating me. As I want you to imitate me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now you know where the title came from. Right? Pay attention to the ones who walk like it. Keep your eyes on them. They're an example. He says, that's what I'm doing, so let's imitate each other as we move forward. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Is that true today? Okay, I, just, I know, I probably should give you cues as to when we're doing the interactive portion of the morning, right? Um, the, the enemies of the cross, the enemies of Christ, the enemies of the church, the enemies of truth, are everywhere, they're growing. They're like a stinking virus that's worldwide. Horrible. Um, we're, we're outnumbered and it's getting worse. Or is it? Or is it? We don't know how to answer that one. I don't know, I had a bunch of little young students playing songs, goofing around, passing out food, why? They're starting to follow. They're starting to look into Christ. They're starting to test faith. Uh, is it getting worse or is it getting better? I don't know. Tell me who you want to talk about. Last night, I thought things were getting better. Amen? I go to the grocery store and I go, uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> it just depends. You know, and then if you're on the freeway or, ooh, or worse, a parking lot. My goodness. It's like... Satan himself is parked in this parking lot. You know, um, we got to be careful. We got to walk like it. Uh, their end is destruction. Those that are enemies of the cross, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Uh, they, back in that culture, they believed that the the center of your being was down in here, 
and that all passions and everything came out of here. It's kind of the way we would refer to our heart today. You know, be, be careful. Mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart, right? We, we say that phrase. They would say, well, you, you act from your belly, right? It's the core of your being. It's kind of the center when you measure from top to bottom, and it's the middle, and, you know, most things are driven by your hunger and that kind of stuff. So you'd see why I would say their God is their belly. Um, so who's really their God? Themselves, right? And they glory in their shame. What? That doesn't make any sense. Nobody glories in their shame. When they feel shame, they don't enjoy it. What is being said then? If that's not logically true, we've got to figure out what is at, what's the analogy that's being made here. They do shameful things, but do they view them as shameful? No. They do things we go, oh, why would you ever do that? It doesn't make sense. It's against the truth. It's going to lead to destruction. You're going to hurt people. You could end up sick. And the whole time they're like, oh, isn't this awesome? No. No, it's not. They're glorying in their shame. Not shame they own, but shame they've yet to experience. You know, as Christians, one of the things we got to remember is at some point it's going to hit them. The light bulb is going to go off, and then they're going to need help. Who shows up then? That's the question. Don't answer that. That's not an interactive portion of the morning. That's a statement. It sounds like a question, but it's a statement. Who shows up then when people need them? Right? That's a great question that we think about. Um, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with mindset on what? Earthly things, right? He just told us what to set our minds on. He says, this is how you know you're different than them. They're looking at earthly things. But our citizenship, verse 20, our citizenship is in where? Heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Bam. Uh, you know, uh, culturally, we talk about the mic drop moment. When somebody does something that's so awesome, it's like there's nothing left to do. The night can't get any better. They just drop the mic and walk off the stage. It's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. That just blew my mind. Right? Paul just mic dropped on us. I, I, mostly I want you to focus on the last phrase, but he says, you know, we're, push, we're pressing on towards this heavenly thing, not the earthly thing. We're doing future, not past. We're doing value, not shame. We're doing truth, not false. And when we, when we get close to that, God's going to transform us to be like him, his glorious body. This is uh, talking about when we get to heaven, right? By the power, okay, apparently Christ has power. Not just power, but it enables him to subject some things. Like That means he has control of how many things? I told you the small words, didn't I? Gives him power over all things and subjects those or puts control of those things where? In himself. That's called an all-encompassing statement. When what's what's left out of that? Nothing. Mic drop, 
Let's pray and call it a day. We're out. He says, this is what we're doing. Let's walk like that. Let's walk like that. That that's where we're headed. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Um, so how do we walk? Walk like it. Anybody hate pronouns? I hate pronouns. And I am not talking about the whole gender discussion, okay? Here's the pronouns that I hate. It, that, the, you know, I'm having a discussion. Hey, Dad, can you go get it for me from there? What? Was that even English? What's it? Oh, I, I need the ice pack. Okay. From where? What's in the freezer? Which freezer? There's a garage and there's a kitchen refrigerator. So which freezer? Are we? Oh, I think it's in the garage. Okay. How was I supposed to know all of that when you say, can you get it from there for me? By the way, you didn't even tell me when. Later. Right? When's later? I don't know where, I don't know what it, and I don't know what later is. I hate all the pronouns where they're, don't tell you any specifics. Right? That's why I tell my family when they ask me a question like that. I said, hold on, stop, let's start over. Pretend like I know nothing and tell me as many details as you possibly can. Right? Give me as many specifics. All right? As wordy and as sentence filled, like, Let's spend five minutes. I'll just sit here crossing my legs and you just talk for a while. And then I will be able to answer your question. Right? Uh, welcome to this morning. Walk like it. What's it? Scott, you should be hating that pronoun right now. Except for now we're going to pretend like we don't know anything and we're going to use as many details and specifics as possible. What does walking like it look like? Okay. Um, walk with confidence. One, walk with confidence. You hear Paul talk about confidence? He used that word. Did anybody know how many times? It was like four times, at least. Implied it more than that. Um, you, you know that one of the things you have in common with other people, everybody wants to walk with confidence, right? People are different, almost 100% different in so many different ways. How they look, what their preferences are, and all those kind of things. But you get to certain things, certain things. I want to breathe air, eat food, have water. I want to be confident. I want to be loved. Maybe I want to accomplish something. That one, not so much. Some people don't want to accomplish anything. They want to sit in their basement of their mom's house and play video games, right? Um, Walk with confidence. What's, what's that look like? Is that a decision you make? It kind of depends what you're putting your confidence in. And I love what happens here in um, verse 3 and 4. Uh, it said, for we are the circumcision. You take confidence and you are in direct relationship with God. That changes the color of every environment, every situation, scenario, every conflict, whatever you're doing. If in that moment you can say, I know this is really rough right now, but I'm a representation of a relationship with the Lord. What does that mean right now? I don't know, but you're acting kind of weird, so stop, right? Um, it means God's there with you. 
your value and worth? Can you take confidence in the midst of your fear, in your potential loss, uh, in uh, experienced pain? How about in doubt? How about in a projection of a future where you're not sure where it's going? A bad relationship, bad news. What do you take confidence in? The news, or it'll work out, or you know, maybe I'll get better from being sick, or I have confidence that I have a relationship with the Lord. And this can go somewhere positive, or you go beyond that and say, eventually it will go. Eventually we're gonna be transformed by the one who has the power to subject all things to himself. Mic drop, bam. No matter what I'm dealing with, light and momentary affliction, I'm going to end up winning. Can I focus on that? If I know I'm going to end up winning, then I can carry myself however I want to right now. You're, you've been out to dinner, and, and, and it was a little more expensive than you thought, and you're getting towards the end of dinner, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can cover this. Brought the wrong credit card, or you know, I'm low on money, or I, I brought so much cash and I didn't bring my card. You know, yeah, I know most of us, a lot of us, as you get older, you, you plan so that you go to a restaurant, you know, you can handle it, no big deal. I remember being younger and thinking, ooh, I don't know if I'm prepared for this dinner. Uh, I think I'll be drinking water. <laughs> you know, I'll have the salad or calling somebody, hey, can you, can you bring me an extra 50 bucks, right? Um, you know, we never have to do that in our relationship with the Lord. No matter what scenario you find in you, yourself in, uh, the idea that you might not be able to make it out or you're going to somehow get to the end of it and it's going to go poorly. You're wearing an apron doing dishes. Never works like that in our relationship with the Lord. So we're, we're the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus, put no confidence in the flesh. He says, though I have reason for confidence. It's funny, there's a double meaning there. He says, I have reason for confidence. Then he reads the resume. And he says, nope, threw that out. Then he gives you his reason for confidence, which is real after that. I glory in Christ because I'm a representation of him. And then verse 9 says it this way, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. I've suffered the loss of all things. I count all the things in order that I may gain Christ. What's he have confidence in? That if he pursues Christ, it's going to work. Immediately? Is it going to work immediately? Just... Does anybody else have a relationship with the Lord where it works immediately? Because you need to come teach. Like, teach us how to do that. I've never met that guy or that gal. I think the gals are closer to it than the guys are, but that's just personal feeling. It's not biblical necessarily. Um, I've never met anybody who gets immediate, immediacy in their relationship with the Lord. Remember that patience joke I made about, yeah, have a patience contest with God? Yeah. How about just do patience with God? And have it not be a confidence, uh, a competition, uh, but have it be a confidence. I'm going to do patience with God as a confidence because I know eventually we're going to get there. 
That's what Paul's talking about. And then verses 20 and 21, how he says, look, in the end, God's going to subject all things to himself. If I know how it ends, I read the book differently. I knew somebody. They get a book. They go to the last chapter. It's the first thing they'd read. They'd read how the story ended, the last chapter. Then they'd go back and start from the beginning and read all the way through. Like you ruined the ending. They say, yeah, but I made the whole book better. Ooh, kind of interesting. Uh, we know how the last chapter goes. Amen? We need to have confidence in the last chapter. Who's writing the story? Whose book is it? Uh, who places me in every place that I am? No matter where you are, God put you there. Right? Have confidence in that. Um, now the people that you're with are there on purpose, and you're there with them on purpose. Uh, God might have a calling for what's going on there. Or he might be pointing out to you something you want to avoid for the rest of your life. Right? You get to make that determination. Uh, so one, when we walk like it, we walk with confidence. Two, when we walk like it, we walk in maturity. No, this apparently is a sermon for first service. Because I asked, how many of you are mature? And only Nate raised his hand. Which, by the way, he's one of the youngest in here. Okay, so I'm a little confused on how this is going. All right? So this point is for all y'all. We need to walk in maturity. Well, we can't goof around or joke around or have fun a little here or there. Yeah, yeah, you can. But do it maturely. He says, uh, verses 10 through 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Great. Verse 10 says that I may know him. All right. And then verses 13 through 15 talk about this whole thing, uh, that those of us who mature are mature think like this. What, a, would, what would a mature Christian do in this scenario? You show up, you buy a meal and a card, and you joke around, and you have fun. Why? To somebody else's benefit. You know, an immature person would rant and rave and complain about how they played six cards and still didn't win the whole night. Right? We got to find ways to walk in maturity. Um, it sets an example that others can follow. Right? Uh, none of us want to be called immature as humans. Uh, why would we ever want to be called immature as Christians? A mature Christians can have patience in any environment. A mature Christian can say no. Mature Christians can do great things. You have the opportunity to do that. When you walk in confidence with maturity, stuff starts happening, right? Uh, lastly, uh, when you walk like you, you walk as an imitation. You are imitating... Christ. Paul says, imitate me. Why? Because he's imitating Christ. And then we're going to look for those. We're going to use our eyes, set our eyes on those who walk like that. 
we, we've got to imitate. How did, how did Christ uh, walk around? How did he treat women? How did he treat his enemies? Uh, how did he treat Peter? Might be one of the best examples. I mean, Peter was a knucklehead, right? Um, what did he care about? What did he teach on? It makes total sense to me when people come to me and life's stuck and they're messed up and they're frustrated. And I say, well, have you, have you prayed about it? No. Have you been reading anything from Scripture about it? No. Well, you're not going to the source. Why would it work? Well, I just wanted some quick fix answers from the pastor because he's closer to God. Uh, no. No, you want an excuse not to do, not to follow, not to imitate. You know, confidence and maturity, the first two, those are kind of mindsets. They're a little bit about character. How do I think about things? Am I going to value virtues and all that kind of stuff, right? Imitators, there's not a whole lot of thinking. You're just copying something. And you have to actually do something for it to be a good imitation, Right? Um, you ever seen somebody do an impersonation? What do they have to do? They got to talk, move, maybe change their voice, right? If 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 I if I did this, what what am I impersonating right now? Well, I was going to say nothing, but you said myself, and those are about the same. Yeah, um, in order to Im impersonate something, in order to imitate something you have to really have to act it's it's a verb right um i decided to be nice today um because i was going to be walk as an imposter same concept just sounds negative right um and the reality is are we confident no we have to work at it are we mature no we have to work at it so when we imitate or we impersonate we're really imposters now, how does God feel about you being an imposter? Oh, that's it. Peter, write her name down. She's not getting in. You are an imposter. You still good with God? Or are you on the naughty list? We're getting close to Christmas, so we got to do the Christmas references, right? Um, if we're imitating him, and are you an imposter still? Yes. How does he feel about it? He loves it. He gets a kick out of it. The disciples are probably laughing, telling jokes. They're having a great time. We've got to get over all these little weird negative implications and these microaggressions and sensitivities that we have about life and say, look, whether you call it imitation, impersonation, or impostering, it's all kind of the same thing. Are you either doing it, walking like it, or you're not. It's kind of like showing up to work on time. Uh, my mom's husband, Mark, love him to death. And there's some things where he's brilliant. Okay, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a freebie this morning. Okay, this is a nugget. This is a gold nugget. You're gonna take this home. You're gonna remember it for the rest of your life. Okay, on time does not exist. There is no such thing, according to Mark, 
Not the apostle Mark, not the disciple Mark. No, 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 no. Not Jesus' brother or something. No, just Mark, my mom's husband. On time doesn't exist. You either show up early or you show up late. There is this infinitesimally small one millionth of a second where on time flashes and it's gone. Like seven o'clock, we start at seven o'clock, right? You either show up at 6.59 and 59 seconds right before seven and you were early. Or you showed up at seven o'clock and 01 seconds, maybe. I don't know, how do you time that? I'm walking it, service starts at 9 a.m. I'm gonna stand at the door and I'm gonna wait and watch my clock. <laughs> Beyond time, yes! No, it doesn't exist. You're early or you're late. You're either impersonating, imitating, walking in maturity, trying, or you're not trying. You tried or you didn't. Paul says, finally, brothers, do this. Walk like it. Well, but I don't know everything, and I didn't go to seminary, and I don't have very many verses memorized, and I've been divorced, and my kid doesn't like me, and I got fired one time, and um, I had a paper out one time, and, and the last paper I didn't actually deliver it to the house. I just dropped it in a trash can. I'm just a bad person, and this will never work. Paul talking about that? Does Paul care about that? Do I care about that? Does God care about any of that stuff? No. What are you doing from today forward? Take all those experiences as experience and life lessons and learning and just say, all right, pressing on, here's where I'm going. You don't need to know everything. You just got to act on what you do know. And then show up early. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks that, um, that you were early for everything. That early doesn't even apply to you. That all things are subject to you, that you're in control of all things, even time. Uh, even our confidence, Lord, our maturity, our understanding, our experiences, all of those things you're in control of, Lord, and yet there's, there's a weird imperative in what's being told to us in this passage that somehow we need to take responsibility. It's not our responsibility. We don't get credit for it, but somehow lean in towards responsibility in our pursuit of you and changing our mindset and then how we project ourselves, what we do, how we act. I pray for help, Lord, because we're a mess. We've got good hearts and good minds. We want to go the right way. We just need help, Lord. And I pray you just give us that. Give us the path of how, how where we're walking. And, and we'll trust you for both uh, the travel and the destination. If you're here this morning and you've never started your walk with God, you can do that today. Just tell him. God, I want you. I accept you. I acknowledge and have faith in your son, what he did on the cross. 
And today I start walking with you. Walk with me. You say it that way. Lord, pray you would honor uh, any decisions made this morning by people and help them. Give them uh, patience, strength, energy, perseverance. And then we thank you for our church and what we get to do. Some of it through an offering. I pray you bless what we collect right now and we entrust it to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus walked in confidence and maturity, and he was the representation of God. Did he walk like it? Amen. May you walk like Jesus. Go with him. <laughs>